Rocky Ridge Brewing Co. Hi, I'm Hamish. I've done this ad once before, but I'll do it again. Do you like to drink beer from a can? Mm, I do. Go and find my cans in all good retailers, real estate shops, I was going to say, but that's not right. Retailer. Mm. Rocky Ridge. Guys, and welcome back to another episode of Beer Sucks. We're uh, on location today, filming in a hotel room. Um, we've got Tim here, Adam, Yo. and Marzen from Hawker's Beer. How's it going? Uh, not, not, not too bad having you in my room. I oh. mean, like, it, it is 9am and we rocked up yeah. to your hotel room. I have already said this to you, but I thought you were going to be naked when we got here. You're oh. seven hours late. I, yeah. <laughs> and disappointed now. And so, disappointed. Yeah, yeah. I'm just a bit worried that you said that we're filming on location in a hotel room. Well, that's I'm where look, my mind's going. I'm behind of... Tim and it looks like there's a casting couch over there. <laughs> I don't think this is the first time you've had three other men in your room before, though. Would I be accurate in saying that? No. 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 no yeah. I've had more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not shy. I'm not afraid. Uh, so what's been going on? Nothing, man. I was uh, supremely hungover this morning due to my not drinking beer as many days a week now. So I really? crushed beers last night. So you drank your whole week's quota in one night. That's generally how you do it when you um, resist stuff. Yeah. You know, same with prohibition. Doesn't See, work. Doesn't work. But it works for four days a week. Yeah. It's the old happy hour thing that Tim was talking about it, where it's, it's exactly everyone the same just crushes thing. the same amount of beers they would over an entire <laughs> night. In one hour. So I just set up a trough in the lounge room and, yep, that way I didn't have to go to the toilet. I, love, did, did I, love, I love this trough culture. It's it's so uniquely Australian, isn't it? It, it is. is. Yep. Having having to pretty much link arm in arm with people yeah. while your dick's out pissing on your feet, it's quite strange. Oh, it's the worst when like a six-year-old dude whips out his, uh, his hog and he just starts pissing everywhere and you're getting the backsplash. And you're wearing thongs, and you're like, this is the worst moment ever. No, that is the worst moment. Oh, oh when oh. someone goes full pants down, and you walk <laughs> in, you just see this, like, bare ass. Like, uh, that, could be, that could be another one, but I was thinking when the six-year-old has a bigger... Um... <laughs> well, he did call it a hog, to be fair. Um, I said 60, not six. Oh, six. Uh, yeah. Oh, thanks. The best, the best <laughs> just part about to this, <laughs> this is an audio medium, so we can rewind yeah. and actually see he goes, six-year-old hog. Yeah. You're on the list now, Tim. Great. Uh, one of many. One of many, and it won't be the last one I'm on. The pants down thing is weird, though, when you're pissing. Yeah. yeah. Doing it's the... the strangest thing when you see this, like, white bare ass, and you're, like, busting for a piss, and you're like, <laughs> oh, is this, I can hold it. Is that, now, now we're doing colour things. It's just weird when you see a white ass, not no, just no, the general but it's ass. just, like... Because like, that's the only no, part of them not tan. It, no, like, no oh, sun true. has touched <laughs> it's it. The yeah. yeah. And it's just, like... You know, uh, or like the uh, the old bloke who just uh, does it through the stubbies, the side of the the leg. The yeah. old uh, the old boy style of wing, where you just pull your short yeah. leg up and hang your John Thomas out and <laughs> piss all down your leg. Which again is a very Australian move, I feel. Yeah, I have never even heard of that before. Oh really? This moment. Yeah. Short shorts. So, old blokes in short shorts, just that, just yeah. out the side. They oh. they have no shame. <laughs> no. Yeah, I love talking about beer this early. In the yeah. Day. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Uh, what have you guys been up to anyway? 
Um, Pretty I- much similar. I've just been working far too hard recently. I was actually in a photo shoot recently. Ooh. Yeah. A friend of mine studying studying film at uni and he needed to put together like a like this photography piece without actually, oh, so setting up a story without having any like any guidelines or, you know, like words or anything. And it's just like five photos that tell a story and I got to be a part of it. It was glorious. And I was not clothed for any of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that was going to be my question, yeah. given what we've just talked about. Yeah, pretty much. No, it was great. Apart Sick. from that, it's just been, yeah, work, 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 sadly. I know how that goes. Anyway, thanks for having us here, Marzen. Really appreciate it. My pleasure, I think. Mm. Oh, well, we'll find that out. <laughs> the next 45 <laughs> minutes is going to be a roller coaster of emotions. Yeah. Uh, how was your flight in? Oh, very interesting, except I woke up at what was supposed to be 5 a.m. Melbourne time, and my watch was stuck on airplane mode, so it didn't update to the actual local time. And in my panic, I thought, oh, the guys are coming at 8.45 to set up this thing. It's a three-hour time difference. It's 8 o'clock, ran into the shower, came out, opened the windows, and I was like, it can't be that fucking dark in Perth at 8 a.m. Because it's only 2 a.m., you idiot. (laughs) Time goes backwards. Uh, That's the one I was missing. That's the one I was missing. So in reality, you were six hours ahead. Yeah, well, uh, you're just seven hours late to this interview. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. That's true. That's true. Yeah, it was interesting coming through and he's like, I've been up since 2 a.m. Where have you been? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, anyway. But other than that, I love coming down to Perth. It's always fun. You come here often? Oh, well, this is my second time. The first time, I completely loved the place. I didn't know what to expect. Completely loved the place. I mean, it's only been, what, three months, I think? Yeah. Well, I mean, three or took, four months, yeah. It took me a long time to come down, huh? Yeah. yeah, yeah, but I think it's just the fact that you guys are just starting to take the entire world by storm at the moment. So you're pretty much just going to be everywhere. Well, I'm hoping to. That'll yeah. be fun. I mean, what was it? Uh, three or four months ago, you actually got a contract with Marks and Spencers as well over yes. in the UK. Yes, yes, yes. We're in 206 stores um, in the UK, wow. including Scotland, North Ireland, England, um, and uh, Wales, very close to where I went to school. And now uh, it's been a success. They've done their second order. They're going to roll us out to 900 stores. Wow. wow. That's so crazy. It's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool for an Australian really cool. beer to be on the shelf in, in uh, Marks and Spencers, That's which is not Coopers or Fosters. Yeah. 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 That is really cool. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, and I guess it just demonstrates the quality of you guys uh, and how you've been received in the marketplace. Is, that, is this all due to the, the can production? No, actually, this was bottles way before cans. This wow. The original shipment was this IPA, is the original, wasn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. the IPA. Um, I'm personally agnostic to bottles versus cans. I know this whole arty-farty wanky <laughs> debate going on in the beer cir- circles right now. I personally have no preference to bottle over can. I think anyone who claims anything in this field, there's always a plus and a minus. Yeah. So, yes, um, cans travel better because they're smaller and lighter, so they're environmentally less uh, less impact in traveling. But to dig a hole and pull up the metal and treat the metal to make it into a can is way more intense than bottles. Yep. Mm. Cans are light-proof, but they have bigger um, dissolved oxygen spaces on top. The, uh, bottles micro-breathe. Well, that's how I want to age my beer. So, for me... I'm not. I'm neutral to that debate. For me, cans versus bottles is a lifestyle choice. Am I camping, hiking? I want a yeah. can. Am I in a restaurant? I want a bottle. Yep. Yep. Um, but 
to to go back to the original question, no, it was just uh, at Hawkers we didn't really focus much on marketing. We just the whole focus of Hawkers was just the liquid itself. Yep. And being on point, trying to be on point all the time. We never f- worried about marketing. We never brewed an IPA and called it a pale to look like we we're pushing the envelope. We brewed the pale. I fucking hate that. By the way, I really hate we it. We fucking brewed the pale. And if you want a fucking IPA, you buy the IPA. IPA. Yeah. And if you think our IPA okay. is not hoppy enough, go buy a fucking West Coast IPA or a double IPA. Yeah. We've got you covered. Oh on the my range. god, I don't normally buy four packs or six packs generally nowadays and I've bought probably like three or four four packs of the West Coast IPA. It's how good is it's that? It's banging dangerous, man. Oh my and God. you know, it doesn't ha- it has a completely non-traditional um, hop profile. So it's got Southern Cross from New Zealand, Northern Brewer, Columbus and Mosaic. Wow. Fuck. Not, not, not the Quadro. Uh, the Big C's. The Big C's, yeah. The Big C's and Amarello. Yeah. yeah. It's That's so insane. fucking good, man. It's if, ridiculously tasty, but the balance is key. Yeah. That's the whole deal. Yeah. You're not overly like overly aromatic with light bitterness. It's just everything plays into itself. And the next thing you know, you're three cans deep. And that's the that's that's the difficulty of making craft beer. I mean, yeah. the whole reason we drink craft beer, I hate the word craft because I think Budweiser is the best craft beer on earth. It's crafted to taste like shit. <laughs> but it tastes exactly the same shit every time, right? Yeah. Perfectly it's, like yeah, shit it's, it's, every it's, time. It's fucking remarkable. I yep. mean, you know, I can't make two batches exactly the same. These guys make millions and millions of liters exactly the same. <laughs> so I don't like the word craft, but artisanal beer, independent, mm. flavorful beer, for me is uh, is an alternative to drinking light, fizzy, whatever. And the, the idea is, okay, sometimes we do push the envelope. I mean, we have 11, sorry, we have 10 barrel-aged beers coming out this year. We have sure. four last like- year. I can't believe it. I eh? when I got the email Our, that just was like this barrel, this barrel, this barrel, this barrel. I'm like, fuck. Uh, we can't reveal all those barrels just yet. So, hush, hush. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, how hard did you get then, Endo? Very. Yeah. yeah, I like my barrel aged big dumb beers. And, and we started two years ago, and we had a program to to have one of the big proper barrel aged programs. And so we now have 140 barrels, and we're growing. Um, but we don't do 50 million beers, right? So we, we, we take our steps. Um, so four of the beers are going to be uh, based on Imperial Stouts. Um, one of them is going to be a Scotch Ale bourbon barrel. Oh, Sick. man. Sick. And it's going to be in, a, in cans in a four-pack. <laughs> what? Whoa. 375 mil. None of the 500 what? mil. We have this thing with 500 mil. It's too much of a commitment. Um Unless you're sitting on uh, with a bottle sharing during yeah. dinner, and so mm. for me, I, I wouldn't mind having a three seventy five middle of a Scotch ale with dinner, for example. So that's that's where that comes from. I wholeheartedly agree. I can just see the look on your face <laughs> right now. I'm glazing over. Like I you just, don't go quiet often. Yeah, but you were just completely <laughs> silent. I'm like a smackhead just... getting an injection of heroin. I feel really good right now. <laughs> well, I can I can also announce, and this is the first time anyone anywhere has heard of this, um, that for Gabs we're doing a three way collaboration with Liberty Brewing and the Wheaty. Oh boy. So it's going to also be canned and kegged, and it may or may not be our. Um, it may be hoppy, it may be sour, and it may have a little bit of fruit in it. But I won't go into more details. No dear. Well, Sick. when you say liberty, uh, you know that she's going to have <laughs> fuckloads of hops. Uh, that's fucking unreal. Yeah. Uh, um, in cans, 
just uh, just outside of Gabs. Well, it's going to go countrywide, and it's going to go all over New Zealand as well. Wow, it's awesome. going to be a limited run. I can probably actually even tell you the name of the beer. It's uh, Framboise Trois. Oh, oh sick! Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. I think registrations are closed so now, cool. so I, th- I think you're okay. <laughs> I think we're okay. Yeah, I think yeah. we can tell you. What well, that's going to be. Speaking of which, it's going to be released soon, isn't it? Like yeah. the the program guide. Yeah. So, I you can't so, wait. Yeah. so you might see a raspberry sour IPA in there. Oh my, oh god. my god! That might and might or might not be on nitro on kegs. As oh. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh. uh, that's fucking sick. Uh, Joe and uh, Jade, if you're listening to this, sorry, I jumped the gun and told everyone before I came back to you. <laughs> Especially um, Joe, because he's an, he's a big, uh, ugly, angry motherfucker. Man, I have the best the best recollection of him from um, what was it Hair of the Dog last year, and we're all sitting down, hungover as, and he was the first guy to get up, and he's like, "They're like, welcome, Joe," and he's like, gets up. Cracks his back and was like, so I'm uh, kind of glad to be standing around here with the fucking hardest cunts here in Melbourne. And <laughs> the entire room just hushed. And you could see Luke from Epic just like drop his head in his hands like, what the fuck is this guy saying? <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah, I mean, you should have seen the outfit he wore to the last uh, New Zealand Guild Awards. Oh, no. That was pretty colourful. <laughs> <laughs> it, may, it may have involved a lot of pink and purple. <laughs> what a guy he is and and jade from the wheaty as well what a fucking legend i mean i think the wheaty is probably one of the best breweries in the whole country and it doesn't get the recognition that it deserves because it's a brew pub and yeah so the beer never gets out but jade technically and creatively is by far one of my best brewers in the whole country wow she is awesome and she deservedly won champion small brewer last year right yeah yeah so um, if you if you ever get a chance and you're in adelaide wheaties it's it's my home away from home i fucking love the beer there oh my road trip it was already on my list Um, i have never had a bad beer there yeah ever that's that's pretty big i think we do need to go on a beer sucks road trip uh yep to the weighty yeah and then (laughs) and then to gab's Oh, yeah. And yep. then you can stop over at our place and uh, we'll fix that hangover. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Straight into Reservoir. Yeah. <laughs> you might not come out. I'm okay with that. If there's that many barrel-aged beers around, I'm, yeah. I'm all right. And then yeah. you'd have Justin going, oh, I've just got like 13 brewery beers in my bag if you guys want to have another drink. <laughs> Justin's, Justin's terrible that way. He's, yeah. yeah. He's a lovely, lovely guy, but he just lures you in with just that that really charming demeanor and then gets you absolutely crushed. Just, just Justin is like that dodgy character. I can't remember if she was a witch or whatever that put the breadcrumbs for uh, for for, uh, for the Hansel and Gretel. Yeah, that's yeah. incredible. Yeah, but it's like twenty percent stout, sixteen percent stout, and then the next thing you know, you're waking up in a park somewhere <laughs> or up a tree yeah. or up a tree. That's yeah, once. <laughs> or, or in a garden bed sorry Mick <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, so are you able to give us a little bit of your history um, how you came to to be running Victoria's biggest independent brewery um, so you've technically done more than what like three or four people do in their lifetimes um, I'm an old man I mean partially <laughs> I'm really old um, but um, okay <laughs> 
going back to the beginning. I mean, I'm I've always been obsessed with the flavor, right? I love flavor, and I used to be a judge on the San Pellegrino top fifty restaurants in the world. Oh wow! So kind of I enjoyed going around eating a lot of things, and my family background is we had orchards, so we had we grew lemons, oranges, and my dad was a member of parliament and a politician, but he always told me that the most noble thing a human can do is produce food because that is something that you share with everybody and it's essential and it's unglorified. And so I grew up in this atmosphere of appreciating produce and, and, and flavor and Lebanon has a big wine culture. So my dream was to have a house up in the mountains, grow my own grapes and make a bit of wine as a retirement. There's 120 vineyards in Lebanon, so that was a pretty competitive space. So I thought maybe not a good idea. I grew up in Britain, studied in Britain. When I came back to Beirut, we had Almaza as a beer. Now, Almaza is, to put it mildly, slightly shit. <laughs> it's 30% corn made with the cheapest possible ingredients, called a Pilsner with 12 IBUs Whoa. using hop extract. Great. And it's owned by Heineken, another wonderful uh, company that I have huge respect for. <laughs> uh, not. <laughs> hey, listen, if they pay me $150 million like they did for James Bond, I'll drink that shit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Respect levels have risen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Without the $150 million, they can fuck right off. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we had Almaza, we had Heineken, we had Budweiser occasionally when we when we were lucky enough to have a fancy beer. And we had Ephes, which is a Turkish oh, yeah. uh, terrible beer as well. And Corona, the all-time favorite beer. From a beach where you'd rather be. I'm not exactly sure how drinking a shitty Mexican beer would put you on a beach in the Bahamas, but hey, somehow it may, they've made the <laughs> well, A lot of our population is still trying to get to that beach by drinking as many bottles as possible, but oh. they're still waking up here. Oh, God. It's, it's, it's pretty. So we had, we had these wonderful options, and it just pissed me off that there was nothing else. So I thought for a while about importing beer, and then I thought, fuck it, I'm going to make my own. And I took that decision mentally, Never acted on it until I met my best friend and we were having a conversation once over dinner. And he said, you keep bitching and nagging about your airline job. What do you want to do? I said, I want to make beer. And the conversation kind of ended there. He went to the toilet. Actually, his girlfriend went to the toilet, came back from the toilet. And um, we changed the topic. Two weeks later, I I get a call from Copenhagen. I hate you. I haven't slept for two weeks. That's a fucking awesome (laughs) idea. Let's do it. I'm like, okay, so I quit my job, came back, started the brewery uh, at a time when I had never homebrewed, didn't know anything about brewing, never studied microbiology, uh, had never been inside the brewery in my life, called an equipment manufacturer and said, I'd like to brew some beer. And when they asked me how many styles, how much, and what do I want to do exactly, I said, I don't know. (laughs) Twelve years later, we're here. Fuck. That's sick. Um, and it's really good to see that even though you hadn't homebrewed or, or know what you're doing, you're going into it with that right ethos of we have this shit, cheap, flavorless, generic beer, yeah. and I want something better. And I was convinced whatever I made would be better than the cheap, uh, cheap generic shit beer. Yeah. And, um, you know, in Beirut, we've managed to... 961 beer has about 5% market share, which wow. is about the size of the whole craft beer market in Australia. Yeah. We've got six other craft breweries now, um, but I'm here. I've sold out to that. I've got nothing to do with that. I actually sold um, 961 Beer to um, the staff and um, the the other shareholders 
far out. That's fucking cool. Yeah. I had an offer from a beverage company. I could have been a lot richer and I wouldn't have had to deal with you guys. (laughs) 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 But the reality is I chose to sell it to to a bunch of poorer people who didn't pay me as much. God damn it. Yeah. That's fucking awesome, man. That's really good. Um, You mentioned earlier about the independence um, being a, a strong thing for you. And I think that that pretty much wraps it up in a, in a neat little package right there where you could have been really rich, uh, but instead you've given back to those same people that were working for you and working with you. Well, companies, I mean, you know, the, the thing that makes a company successful are the people running it, right? Correct, yeah. yeah. I mean, without the brewers, uh, without the guy who puts the bottles on the pack line, without um, our office administrators, without the people who make the magic happen every day, without the delivery guys, without everything running around, the company's worthless. It's just a bunch of stainless steel that does nothing. Money is worthless in itself. So without recognizing the importance of the people who are there, it's it's just pointless. It's a, it's a it's a faceless organization, and the problem with the big guys is they don't give a damn. Mm. You're a hundred percent right there. Meeting KPIs and continue continuing growth. Well, I'm protecting brand value, and yeah. Well, they have a legal it, obligation to maximize profit. So yeah. theoretically. Even if they could screw their people over for a dollar, they would do. They would have to legally do it. Yeah, and and it's it's quite distressing that the Australian market is structured the way it is. I mean, the duopoly in Australia is is quite un, unhealthy. Yeah. Um, you know, tap contracts are terrible, and I know people jump up and down and say, "Yeah, but that's a way of doing business." It's illegal everywhere else in the world. Um, the the problem with tap contracts is you end up with a ten tap system where cub or line nathan walks in and they buy out the eight okay so the restaurant now has a bar whereas they may have not had the budget to have a bar but no one questions a restaurant that doesn't have a budget for an oven everyone assumes you need an oven to have a restaurant why don't you need a bar to have a restaurant as well yep they then get screwed on on the total dollar value and what happens the net result of that is you've taken out the vast majority of tap space that is available to us brewers and put it into the hands of the big conglomerates. The problem is the last two taps become rotational. You go to your favorite bar, everybody there drinks Hawker's Pale. Your favorite bar cannot have Hawker's Pale on permanently, even though everybody wants it, because they need to rotate to remain relevant. Yeah. What happens is this rotation has implications on the little brewers. The 450 guys who actually employ 70% of the total number of people working in the industry are employed by those two people that represent 2.5% of the market. The problem is, okay, it becomes more costly to service the bar because our sales reps have to go there time and time and time again because we don't have a regular revenue stream. We're being competitive with the other 450 breweries, so we're dropping our price per keg all of us as craft brewers, below where the shit mass industrially produced beers are. Yep. Probably 30% less. And then that bar goes on because we are part of the premium sector, sells us more expensive than the beer that he is yep. buying more expensive. Yep, yep. We, we, he sells Hawker's Pale more expensive than Furfy. He's paying more for a Furfy keg, less for a Hawker's Pale. One, because he can't command the premium of Furphy. Two, because he's got to shift a shit ton of volume to meet his contract obligations. 
And when I love this this debate going on in, in on social media on the threads. Ah, yeah, but if the beer is going to be good, I don't care. I can now get Pirate Life wherever I want. Four pints, Feral. It's going to spread the good beer. It doesn't spread the good beer. Yeah, fuck off. This is how we got to where we are today. Mm-hmm. The big brewers bought all the regional breweries and then streamlined them and eliminated them. Yeah. And even if that is the case, the big brewers aren't interested in craft because they're threatened. We're less than the Corona that we make fun of is three times the size of the total craft beer market in Australia in volume. Mm. No one gives two shits about the craft beer movement. The industrial waste of CUB is bigger than the whole production of Pirate Life and Four Pints <laughs> put together. The, the reason they use them is because they got to a point where they walk into bars they go, we want those eight taps. Yeah, well, I want a pail. You've got fat yak, lazy yak, suck my yak, eat this yak, <laughs> which no one wants to drink. No, it's fucking shit. And now they can go, well, well hang on. We've got pirate life and we've got four pints. So mm. shut up. You can rotate through these taps. Absolutely. They, they lost relevance mm. in the market. Exactly. Exactly. In that segment of the market. But yeah. to protect the eighty, the, the 97% of the market that they control. Yeah, they brought that on. They have brought that on. Yeah. That is my problem. I do not think that the quality of the beer suffers when the big boys take it. Because if you look at things like when the big boys are determined to make good beer, they can make the best fucking beer on earth. Bourbon County from Goose Island. Goose Island has one of the best barrel aging programs in the world. And that was completely funded by AB InBev. Yeah. I don't give a shit if it's the best beer on earth. I still refuse to drink it even if it was free on principle. Because I know every bottle of that beer, irrelevant of how good it is, means that some little brewer somewhere got screwed. Yeah, 100%. It's it's the moral issue. Where do you stand? What do you do? Well, you, you just vote with, your, vote with your feet. Do as Barry does and vote with oh. your feet. Um, yeah. But I, I wholeheartedly agree. And I think the independence uh, in WA is a little bit higher um, in terms of per capita consumption. Um, so I hope that we're trying to, to alleviate some WA of that. WA is really leading in that sense. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, and we've got a number of, like uh, really independent bottle shops and, and bars here. Um, whereas over in, in New South Wales, there's a lot that are independent, but they're owned by, um, one, one person for like 10 or 20 bottle shops. So in, in fact, you're still dealing with potentially, a. a you know, a very strong businessman who who wants the best deal. Um, and the thing that frustrates me with bars and uh, who don't, who, who do take up those uh, 80, 90% uh, tap contracts is that I don't walk into a bar just because of how it feels and just because of the staff. I walk into a bar and I want them to know their consumer. So I want to go, great, I'm going to go in there and they're going to have something killer on tap. I don't want to have the same fucking 12 beers on tap at bar one, bar two, bar three, because they're just a face. Because all the back end, they're, produ- they're giving you this exact same shit. And the, and the danger of tap contracts is even if it is a collective of craft brewers that contract taps, you're still locking away that one tap. Yeah. You want to put your product that sells the most on there. If I buy a tap, I'm going to put my pale ale on there. I'm not going to put my imperial stout that doesn't move. Yeah. yeah. Because I want to maximize the revenue from that space. And what happens is then you end up with a series of generic craft beer bars having the same fucking beers everywhere yeah yeah and and the exciting thing about craft beer is the variance 
we need to forget the idea that our consumers are brand loyal just for the fuck of being brand loyal. People want to experiment, want to taste new things. This is what keeps us relevant to our consumers. There are 450 breweries. A lot of them are producing some phenomenal stuff. A lot of shit. Agreed. But that's the numbers game. But some of the most magical beers are coming out of these little guys. And it doesn't matter if you're Picasso. If no one can see your fucking painting, you're irrelevant. Yeah. And taking away the space to sell that beer to the consumer is making them irrelevant. So, I mean, you've raised a pretty good point there that breweries are really trying to push the envelope um, by developing new beers, new styles even. Um, we discussed on the previous episode, Nipah now being uh, put into a judging category at the Abers. Um, Sierra Nevada has just reported for the last two years losses in single digits. Um, just across the board. Across the, the board. Seven and six percent. Yeah. So now they're going to go... Be- Going to be going back and focusing more on their flagship, so yeah. they can really start pushing some like major volume of that and getting that back into consumers' yeah. hands. Yeah. So I guess the question is, how important do you see core ranges being in the next twelve, three years, twelve months, three years, um, versus these limited release beers? Um, that a lot, there are a lot of breweries who are almost building their whole structure around limited release beers. Not almost. A lot of them are yeah. basically basing it on that. The the danger with limited releases and building your brewery around limited releases is it becomes a okay what's next okay what's next I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm generalizing of obviously yeah. right okay mm. um, and some of these guys do it remarkably well and I don't want to come across as the guy who says oh, yeah whatever no but the problem with chasing the unicorn at the end of the rainbow all the time is. You know, you can't put forward 500 beers every year and all of them to be great. Yeah. One of the things about the core range is you think through the process, you you try and uh, encourage uh, development of that beer over the years to make it better, tweak it, refine it. And ultimately, the beer consumer wants those geeky things, but also wants to go back and have a pale ale or or an IPA or a fucking Pilsner every now and then. Yeah. And so if we don't offer that... The danger is they've had their two imperial stouts and he wants to wash down with the lager. He's going to end up drinking a VB. Yeah. And and funnily enough, we've seen in the last three years, the resurgence of, um, in particular, the last 12 months, the resurgence of the, the craft lager. Yeah. Um, oh. And you're going to say Pilsner. Yep, I'm a massive sucker. <laughs> These guys hate me for it, but I'm a massive sucker for a really fucking well-made Pilsner. Hey, same here. Yeah. Absolutely same here. Yeah. The older I get the more I find Pilsner's the style. And, yeah. and this this is contrary to what a lot of craft beer geeks uh, say. I mean, we had this... Uh, Untapped is a, is a remarkable place just to gauge what people are thinking, right? And generally, Untapped is one of two things. Either people are rating their, their own preferences. Yeah. And, and someone might say, as I'm about to refer to the example of Pilsner's, this is the best fucking Pilsner I've ever had. One and a half stars. <laughs> I'm uh-huh. like, thank God it's not shit. Yeah. But I can understand yeah. that this guy doesn't like Pilsners. And for him, that's his rating for the beer. And then there's another use for Untapped where people try and judge in style. So if this is the best Pilsner, I hate Pilsners. It's a five star. Yeah, I don't read too much into Untapped. I think it's a crock of shit and then people chasing badges. But yeah, Pilsners are not the, the, the flavor of the month. But they are the hardest to brew. Yes, exactly. And to get right. Yeah, it's, and it's like a pure demonstration of brewing power. Brewing power, perfect water profile, perfect brewing practice. And when you actually get that cold, crisp, 
whether it be a you know a more bitter German pilsner or a little softer Czech pilsner, and it, it is just so interesting. Every mark. Yeah. Does that Czech pilsner have a name? Hey. Does that Czech pilsner have a name? We were not talking about <laughs> it, but it is just oh man, it makes me giddy. Is it Czech? Hey, is the pilsner we're referring to Czech? Uh, Erkel. No, no, the one no. you crush all the time. Daily. I don't think hey? it is oh, Czech. Oh no, is it? no, it's German. I <laughs> I crush cans of Yeva. Yeva Pilsner. Oh, I thought you might crush bottles of Hawker's I'd, Pilsner. Yeah, I do, but we keep selling out of that fucking thing. <laughs> oh, we need to make sure you get some more. None of this yeah. German stuff. These immigrants, <laughs> they come here, they take our jobs. Yeah. Create oh, fucking... Hang on. They build breweries. Yeah. Oh, hang on. I still haven't gotten my passport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dial it back for a yeah, minute. Yeah. Just, just, just till I get through that, that part. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's, it's a wonderful thing. So... Yeah. I, no, I can see these. I can see these eyes looking at me, just like. Well, you've got another one in the room. It's two against two now. Oh, mate, it's great. Yeah. You guys, <laughs> no, we. And and that's the thing. Don't make it out like we don't like lagers and pills. Yes, yeah. this idiot just crushes them on the daily and won't shut up about it. <laughs> it's a, probably it's not thing. fair, but. Uh, yeah. Fifty percent of the time, it's it's pilsner talk. After working like a twelve-hour shift, I don't want something super heavy on the palate. I want something that is going to be absolutely crushable. Yes, well, same. sometimes. But sometimes yeah. I also want a low ABV flavorful beer. Yeah. Which is what, which is probably the hardest style to also get in, 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 in the ales. Yeah. Super hard to do. Yeah. WA is doing quite a lot of good ones now. Yeah. You know, Nail MVP is drinking really well, I think. I had one yesterday. Yeah. It was drinking remarkably well. Yeah. John, yeah. if you're listening to this... Well done. It's crushed yeah, it. Great fucking beer. Delicious yeah. beer. Everyone in a, everyone in Australia has just been so used to the um, the premium pale market where it's just super watery, bodies completely off, it's lightly hopped, and it's just shit. Or so, the or depressing. the alternative is overly hopped, completely unbalanced hopties. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. look, I've put flavor in there. Yeah, but it tastes like shit. Yeah, yeah, there's no there's no body to balance out that and like massive hot presence, and you're just left with burn or yeah. thought oh, to exactly. the hot presence that, at all. That fucking astringency, like right on the back of the throat, just makes you feel husky and yeah. not nice. Well, um, nothing wrong with feeling husky. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I, I, if husky is the name of a lady in the other room, sure. I, I've been told I'm very husky sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, <laughs> Put it away. Put it away. No, no, let me, let me. <laughs> um, so I think that probably uh, demonstrates where we all are going and that's in search of that perfect balance. We mentioned about IPAs being in really well balanced again on a previous podcast. Um, now we're talking about Pilsners and Palas in a, in a perfect balance. I think that's probably the biggest thing that, that craft beers can go towards is just providing that perfect balance yeah and i mean bear in mind cores can always evolve i mean sierra nevada has pale and that's kind of become their beer but if you had a range of core beers you could evolve that range and and remain relevant i mean a few years ago we didn't have ipas as part of the core in australia because people thought ipas were too fucking crazy Yeah. yeah Yeah. Now that's okay. Even double IPAs are now okay. And it's all of a sudden we're getting sours, entry-level sours. Yeah. yeah. So the core can always change. Yeah. For me, limited releases are a totally different thing. For me, limited releases must reflect some philosophy in the brewery. Unfortunately, a lot of the time, they're a fuck-up that ends up somewhere and people relabel it and that's how it's put out as a, as a limited release. A lot of people do put out some random experimental stuff it 
there is no and that that that's fine there is no thought process as to how the limited releases come out of those breweries um but for me i find for us at hawkers we have a philosophy of what we want to do with our limited releases so it's either one of us that are collaborations or we have a big battle program that we're slowly incrementally building year over year i mean for our first two years we only had four beers pilsner ipa saison and uh, pale Nothing else. Wow. We released an imperial stout and chucked a few a bit of it in barrel and released that one year. Yeah, was that 2016? 2016. And we did, yeah, a, we did a barley wine and chucked that in barrel and released it. Yeah. I brought both of those back in my luggage after Gab's last year. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Carolyn Sellers, for yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, we might, we might have a barrel day coming up at the brewery where we may be cracking a few of those... Uh, what? Uh, old beers? Fuck, I'm what? just going to book tickets. Um, yep. 2016, I was over in uh, Melbourne for my for my honeymoon. And uh, I took <laughs> I had one day and I was like, I'm going to go around to as many bottle shops and bars that I can get takeaways from as possible. And the one thing that they told me, everywhere I went, I said, what's the best barrel-aged imperial stout that you got at the moment? And they were like, Hawkers. So we're talking like August 2016. Yep. Um, or oh, no, September 2016. And... It was everywhere. Like people were just like, oh yeah, Hawker's Imperial Stout. And I think there was two at the time. There was a non-barrel age. Non-barrel age. Barrel age. Was it brandy? Uh, bourbon. Bourbon. They were fucking unreal. And I wouldn't shut the fuck up. I think I was telling you guys. Um, and I was like, this is fucking sick. I'm going to bring it back. And I packed a post box uh, and I sent it via Australia Post because my luggage was like way over the top. And uh, it got to me and they were fucking ruined they were just cooked beyond belief and i was just like no no this is the best imperial stout i've had oh yeah we sat down and we actually drank it yeah, yeah. and it got cooked over the night it was fucked yeah. so is this your attempt to try and get some more beers off us i think it is yeah and i'm gonna back no, that's it. A, that's a that's a hundred percent true story uh, you can ask my wife because i took it to the post office in some shitty fucked up box and we had to repack it there uh, that's why tim um no no i used a different box okay yeah. well yeah. So our collection of of big beers has been 2016. We did Imperial Stout, which was 10, percent and then a bar, uh, a barrel aged version, and then we had the barley wine barrel aged. 2017, we took the Imperial Stout up to 10.7, and then we had a bourbon and Aquavit barrel aged versions, and then we had the bourbon uh, another two sub versions, which had fig and maple in one and then we had coffee in the next one yeah six releases right was uh, it six no last year there were five five this year we have imperial start sitting at 11 and a half uh the base one oh. <laughs> we made it a bit more chewy and a bit bigger awesome the best part about this is just knowing that because justin's such a brewery fan oh he's justin's, just going to continue oh. trying to push this higher and higher and higher and, oh, and we should say for those that don't know justin's Brewer. Justin Corbett, the head yeah. brewer. Oh, yeah. Justin is a legend. Justin started um, maybe a couple of years ago. On He came into the brewery completely, was um, obsessed and started on the packaging line, yeah. putting bottles. And 18 months later, he was our head brewer. Wow. Yeah. He is an absolute star. He yeah. really is a fucking legend in the brewery. And um, he does, he makes magic happen all the time with his team. Yeah. So we've got the 11, 11.5% Imperial stat. And then there may be another four versions of that Imperial Stout. So we oh, spoke about shit. the Scotch Ale yeah, uh, and bourbon barrels as well. I fucking love Scotch Ales, man. 
And we're about to release a collaboration beer with Crux Fermentation Project in the U.S. Really? So for people who don't know Crux, Larry Sidder was the head brewer for Deschutes. He's responsible for all those iconic beers like Black Boot and all these. And prior to that, I think he was head brewer at Miller or Coors or one of these big guys. And then he went off and said, ah, Deschutes become too big for me. Set up his own little shop in Bend uh, called Crux, and they make amazing beers. Larry came down... Um, one day he was invited by Hop Products Australia to come down and check Australian hops. Dropped by the brewery and we brewed the wheat wine together with German lemon drop hops, which are very uniquely citrusy and very rare as well to get. And then we stuck them in Aquavit barrels. Wow. Now, Aquavit is um, Scandinavian schnapps made with caraway and star anise. They then stick this... Um, uh, white spirit into sherry, uh, sherry oloroso barrels, put them on the back of a boat and ship them to Sydney and back over a four-month journey to age the, the, the alcohol. And so we used those barrels on their third trip, came back to Australia, um, aged the wheat wines in them, and there's going to be three versions of this wheat wine. One with peach, one with blood orange, and one just straight aquavit. God damn. Oh, well. <laughs> God damn. Yeah, I'm excited. So you weren't kidding when you said you were really ramping up your barrel program, huh? Yeah, and we just bought a whole bunch of new barrels as well into the brewery. We've got a couple of secret barrels that we got that may or may not have had the spirit in them for 18 years. Whoa, oh, stop it. And but um, I'm getting all sweaty. <laughs> it's too much. Yeah, so th- th- those will be a special secret thing. I said to you before, off-air, talk to me dirty and, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're reaching the crescendo at the moment. <laughs> so, and that, and that's you know, people go, oh, yeah, hawkers make a pale, yeah, but we also make all this crazy stuff, right? Yeah, and we make a double IPA, and we make a West Coast IPA, and we make all this crazy stuff as well. So, is that your philosophy for your non-core range beers? Then, just big and dumb and full of flavor and fantastic. Well, they're not just big and dumb for a reason. We love Imperial Stouts. Justin and I have an obsession with Imperial Stouts. Yeah. And I have an obsession with experimenting with barrels. Not necessarily the souring, just the souring or the process, but to see what we can use different uh, spirit barrels to see what we can do with those. Yeah. And so that's that's where the philosophy of our barrel series comes from. Stop for a selfie. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm uh, no, saying this to say why I'm late to work right now. <laughs> uh, and they're my favorite kinds of beers, to be honest. Big barrel-aged Russian Imperial Stouts. I mean, there's a lot of focus on just hops these days. I think there's a lot of other things that get overlooked. Yeah. There's, mm. there's a lot of... Uh, and the problem with barrel aging is also sometimes people overemphasize. You know, the, the quick question you get is, which barrel did you use? Which bourbon? Yeah. Wild turkey. Oh, wow. It must be good. Wild Turkey has 30,000 different barrels. Yeah, exactly. And no They all distillery. taste completely differently. The art of barrel aging is not just the barrel aging and the fermenting. It's also back the blending. Yeah. Uh, and that's where Justin is really a master. Justin and Alex, I, I, I should give credit to Alex and the whole team because you can tell they're going to have a big week because they all come in prepared for, for the tastings. And it's just everyone gets in, they rank their beers, and they do the blending. God damn. We have a few magicians in the in the in the back. Uh you know, we have Dan um who used to work in the US, Alex. Um there's a lot of really great guys uh on the brew deck. Yeah. And to be honest, that's we're really seeing that come out in the beers that you're putting out at the moment. 
because just everything as we spoke on like as we spoke off air everything is just coming out and it's hitting the mark pretty much every time yeah so it's all me and despite all <laughs> it's, it's just all me now like, everything i said earlier forgot that. yeah it's, it's all just, me. just me and i think some of that can be traced back to what you were saying um before off air about your quality uh assurance program yeah um, I was quite astounded to hear how in-depth that was. So, I mean, if you'd like to divulge and go into that a bit, I think it'd be fantastic for a lot of people to hear like, just how much quality checks you guys do. We do, I mean, the, the, the big problem with craft beer is the image that we have to overcome that we're over-glorified home brewers and we're just a bunch of cowboys doing a lot of things. Some yep. of it is cowboyish. Yeah. Um, by And some players are... Cowboys, just because there's 450 of us, we're not all uh, angels or devils. Uh, it's the diversity of the of the group. Um, but I think one of the things that we can take away from what the big boys have done is consistency and quality, and slowly evolving a product rather than doing quick changes. Mm-hmm. If I buy a pale ale from Hawkers, I like the taste. Whether the pale ale is a good or bad is, is something completely different, right? I like that taste. The next time I buy that pale, I don't want it to change. Yeah. It's disappointing when it changes. And the big problem that we have, which compounds the problems of, of craft brewers, is that once the beer leaves the brewery, we have no control on how it is handled. So uh, to, our <laughs> emphasis on in-house quality control and checks, we do batch-by-batch batch analysis, and then we send out batch-by-batch batch uh, multiple samples to an external lab to validate our internal uh, results. And this is every fucking batch. Yes, sometimes things go wrong. We're humans, but we try and minimize that mistake. And it's very important to for the beer geeks who on, on threads go, ah, best buy, pack buy date, uh, best before, expiry date, why don't they put the pack it doesn't matter all of this is bullshit what you if you look on um, the american brewers association page they have uh, a free guide on pdf on how best to serve and handle craft beer and if you look at the temperature to the degradation of beer flavor um, chart a beer held at two degrees will likely hold most of its characteristics up to 600 years. A beer held at 40 degrees will start to deteriorate two days later. So if I stick a 600-day best-before date on my can or bottle, and it's held at 600, uh, so at two degrees, it's, it's a real number. But that same can, even if I stick 30 days on my best-before date and it's put out in the sun in some, in, in, in some uh, bottle shop, it doesn't hold. So the, the point I'm trying to make is try and buy from sources that buy fresh, yeah. treat their beer well, yeah. um, respect the product as it's coming because we don't control it once it leaves. Yeah. And I think you guys have a really good quality control, at least here in WA. We, we know the uh, the distributor quite well um, and he 100% keeps it all cold. And yeah. it's uh, and uh, sometimes it's not about keeping it cold. Huh? Some of the beers that you want to age, you want to cellar at a regular temperature. Yeah. The the key isn't just cold or hot. It's 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 more complex of how yeah, to handle. It, it's a knowledge yeah. on it and how to rotate the stock and how to handle it properly. And uh, and also, th- we've invested um, 
close to $7 million, well, probably a bit more than that now, in packaging equipment because we want to make sure that our dissolved oxygen levels, our handling of the beer, our processing of the beer is so up to spec that it gives it the best chance when it is mishandled out in the market to survive and be in the best possible condition. Right. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's such a pertinent point as well. And, you know, going back to the stuff that WA is doing right, uh, there's a lot of bottle shops who are, who are really doing that. Yeah. You know, there are guys who are keeping only sour and Belgian kind of and stouts and stuff on shelves and keeping everything else cold. Um, there's guys who are turning down pallet pricing on deals because they don't have the fridge space to do it. Even of beers that they sell a lot of, mm-hmm. they're like, man, I, can't, I just can't do it. So I'll take the higher price and, and sell the, you know, what I can this week so I can keep it all cold. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's important to support those kinds of shops. Absolutely. And, and that's something that consumers, the more they can learn about that. That is an educational thing that absolutely. us as brewers need to also emphasize on. I mean, there's a lot that's going on right now in the craft beer industry, which I'm not a big fan of, the whole lifestyle and yippee-dippee-doo, uh, everyone's jumping on bandwagons and making it a lifestyle. I think um, one of the conversations I had with um, Miro, who is uh, who used to be... Brooklyn uh, brand Brooklyn, ambassador? Yeah. Uh, is we need, as brewers, to be investing a lot more in educating the consumer and educating our partners, the bottle shops and the restaurants. Yeah. Because... You know, you get a waiter who doesn't understand beer, um, and it's that touch point with the consumer where yeah. that's where it, the experience is determined. So unless we can get our message over to the last touch point, mm. um, then we're we're selling ourselves short, and we're not really helping grow the market, exactly. grow the education. They can tell you what wine's going to pair with what food, and then they just think beer is just beer. complete bubbly shit. Yeah, and like oh, if you want a beer, then fine, it's whatever. Yeah, whereas it's going to match. If, you know, potentially, if not better, due to the yeah being able to actually have carbonation in there at the same time. So. I, I was doing a, a tasting in a bottle shop, which will remain unnamed in a in a quite a wealthy area, and I was like, approach everyone. I approach everyone because sometimes you're, you're surprised, and I approach this lady. And I was like, would you like to try some beer? And, and she was just like, no, that's that's champagne, but for the masses. And I was like, what does what does and that even mean? Like, Fuck you. And then I hit her <laughs> and then I got arrested. Um, but I was just like, what sort of fucking response is that? Like, that's such a backward way of thinking. And this is like in the public eye. And I was like, look, you know, there are different variations, blah, 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 different levels. And uh, eventually she came over and she tried our, our lager and uh, she ended up with a six pack. But she walked outside, threw them at your car, and <laughs> drove off with a bottle of grain. I forced her to buy it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the it gun go- did help. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but it goes to show exactly what you're saying. Like, if that bottle shop wasn't up to, up to scratch, that would have been a loss, a lost cause or, yeah. or a lost sale. And and that happens so frequently. The more that you get into the bar world, that happens so frequently because I guess wine has had this big um, focus on it since like the 1970s, 1960s, uh, where people have wanted that that extra service. Or in in Australia, sorry. Um, whereas beer is always being considered that, uh, and and it happened to me drink. on one of my first trips to Australia, probably around five years ago, um, when I started thinking about um, coming and doing something here. I walked into a bar, and the bartender said, "Ah, I've got this wonderful beer. You've got to try it. I don't know what they've done to tweak the recipe, but I love it." And I thought, okay, first of all, someone who's tweaked the recipe without telling the bartender it sounds a bit dodgy. So he brings out this tarty colch. And I'm like, cultures aren't supposed to be tarty. Oh, no. Super hazy, no head. To me, 
infection. Yeah. yeah. I, I smell the thing. <laughs> and, and, uh, and right out, I, I tell the guy, this is infected. He goes, shh, don't tell anyone. I'm selling it. People love it. And I'm like, are you fucking serious? This is a bartender in a place that supposedly knows about craft beer. But this was ages ago, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fucking serious. The other problem that I see is sometimes we go in the opposite direction as beer geeks and beer drinkers. We become snobby and yeah. we start to talk down to people who don't necessarily... I mean, you look at the threads. Oh, fucking shoot me now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> if you dare say something bad about whatever, Pirate Life IPA. Yeah. You get a barrage of people like as if you've just sinned and put Jesus back on a cross. Yeah. It's like, really, we, first of all, we each have our own preferences. It's personal. Some people like bitter. Some people don't like bitter. Some people like sweet. Some people don't like sweet. But to complicate the whole issue more, we each have different unique receptors on our palate. Some people are just not sensitive to taste. Even if they liked it, they're not sensitive. So that complexity of our palate and our preferences creates a whole array. And I keep telling people, we are probably wrong. 97% of people drink Carlton. Yeah. So don't get fucking cocky on a high yeah. horse about it. Yeah. I also what the thing I don't like about that culture is, um, you know, for people that in that are in the industry, we're all super happy to take all the the congratulations. You know, if we release a beer that's awesome, fucking everyone's like, oh it's so sick, and, and we're stoked. Um, but you see people that you know quite aggressively turn against those people as soon as they have a negative opinion um, for anything. Yeah, for anything. Um, and like n- none of us, it should be a conversation. Yeah. And look, there should be an emphasis on those negative guys to provide some constructive thought to what they're saying. Correct. Because just going, this be a shit provides nothing. But fuck, man, let them say it. Who gives a shit? Right. And it's an opinion. And by crushing it doesn't mean they're going to think it's any better. Yeah. It's, it's okay. Thing, but even worse. Yeah. The yeah. whole idea of craft is that we're appealing to the uniqueness of the person, not trying to be one product for everybody like the masses. Yeah. We don't all need to march to the same bandwagon. The Hot 100 Gabs is the biggest fucking joke on the face of the earth. Yeah. <laughs> it means nothing. <laughs> well, yeah. when, when it's sponsored by Dan Murphy's. And, uh, and it doesn't mean anything. It means distribution. I mean, look at how the smaller states yeah. fare so much better than the bigger states. Yeah. Victoria is not in any way inferior to any state. And if you look at the Victorian beers that rated, they were either Nipahs. Some weren't. Of course, there were some that well deserved it but they were either in style fashionable at that time or they didn't rank yeah mm-hmm. and it's not a reflection i mean i think people read too much into a popularity contest yeah right? and that's all it is and i've been i've said that it's just a bit of fun like yeah. just fucking this treat year, it as fun this year we decided not to approach it not to not to not to uh, try put and, anything and, uh, in there put anything yep. in there um just because we have nine beers we're one out of 180 victorian breweries and if anyone was parochial in Victoria, the chances is they're going to pick one of our beers, which is one of nine. It's never going to go anywhere. So we knew yeah. that a priori. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't fucking matter. Drink whatever you like. Don't listen to beer geeks. They're a bunch of assholes. Yeah, man. <laughs> Just have fucking fun with it. And I'm yeah. a beer geek. I, yeah, yeah, I'm, same. I, I'm, yeah. I refer to myself in this conversation. I'm not no. attacking people on threads. Oh, no. Well, I know. I'm attacking well, not, you three yeah. in the room. <laughs> not yet. Well, well, that's because we're dickheads. Yeah, but, yeah, and you wouldn't let me pull my pants down <laughs> fucking seven hours late to this fucking interview. Uh, uh, that's awesome, man. Look, I think we'll wrap it up there because... I'm uh, severely late for work Yeah, right yeah. Now. So, uh, Marzen... Thanks for coming on. Thanks for inviting us into your hotel room. 
pants or none. Uh, um, please, please let me out. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. No one's leaving. Once the microphones are off, no one's leaving. Oh, God. Uh, thanks, man. We've uh, really thanks appreciated for having it. me with you. No worries. It's been it. fantastic. Um, again, guys, like us, rate us, iTunes, all that shit, whatever. See ya. Peace. Just because I I have I have this new thing with there's a, there's a whole of uh, a whole bunch of stuff on the on the threads about oh if the beer quality doesn't change then I'm gonna continue to support them the beer quality does change it goes up it actually improves when the big boys come in that's not the issue it's the how did we get here in the first place why are you drinking craft because the big boys eliminated everything once they got control yeah. you dumb fucks. <laughs> <laughs>